Hey, this is Omar, and this is, and that's okay. You're listening to a podcast about life, mental health, and taking care of ourselves. Hey, this is Omar, and here's another exciting episode on And That's Okay. And I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Katie and Bree, and we're going to get into um, the next um, series of episodes where Bree's in the hot seat. I'm excited to hear what she has to say. We've had some really good stories from myself and Katie, and we want to keep sharing our experiences. Just to cover a couple things, as you heard in the intro, this is a podcast about life, mental health and caring for ourselves. We are going to try to and be respectful of the people that we work with and our jobs in themselves. We're going to avoid saying names, just in general, just saying names of anyone. And if you are looking to come link up with us, um, know more about And That's Okay. You can do that through TikTok and Instagram. I also need to say, this is not a podcast where we are diagnosing other people. It is about our experiences and connecting with others, including each other. And we're trying to focus on self-care. So I'm going to hand it over to Bree to get us started. And Bree and Katie, if you want to say hi first, we'll get rolling. Hey, everyone. It's me again. This is Katie. (laughs) Hello, this is Bree. Um, and I guess I will keep the mic for a little bit. Um, I'm going to tell a story about my burnout today, but um, before I can do that, I think I have to go back to um, sometime before the burnout just to kind of um, give some context for why the burnout was a little bit um more difficult and personal. So my first career was not speech therapy. It was actually, um, market research. I was an analyst and a moderator for a market research firm out of grad school. Um, and I was doing really well in that, you know, I was promoted within the first couple years to lead analyst. Um, and I was making good money, you know, the first year after after that promotion, I was able to save up and buy a house. And so I was really excited about that and just kind of, you know, cruising along. But I had also noticed that um, I was getting bored um, with the work that I was doing and not just because it was easy for me, but because um, I wasn't really getting much out of it. And um, by that, I mean, you know, I don't care about that package of pudding, what it looks like. I don't care how that Maytag ad does. Um, And so I had kind of started looking around um, 
at different programs and occupations and just kind of gently brainstorming what I might be able to do instead. Um, and then in February of 2012, my cousin was in a car accident. She and her husband and their two boys um, were on a road um, down where I grew up. They were in a blizzard. They hit some black ice. Um, her husband was thrown from the vehicle. He suffered brain injuries. He broke his back. Um, the two little boys thankfully were okay. Um, but my cousin was flown to the, uh, Denver ICU and she passed away in the middle of the night. She had a stroke. Um, so I had a difficult time with that. Um, she was like a big sister to me. And so I think it kind of accelerated the process of trying to figure out what else I could do. Um, and so I came across speech therapy kind of, I'd already seen it a few times. I'd already considered it. Um, but as I was looking at it, I realized, you know, speech therapists work with brain injuries, speech therapists work with stroke victims. And as we had found out after the fact, um, there was some concern in the family that, um, my cousin's little boys might not get some of the attention and care that they needed because, um, they were late talkers and there was a concern about autism for them. And so I could have helped, you know, in some way or another, everyone in that car. And so I found an online, um, bachelor's program. I had to go back, you know, and get, um, some prerequisites before I could even try for a degree, uh, a master's degree. Um, and so by that time I was already enrolled, um, part-time online courses to get the second bachelor's and my employer did not take it well. Um, they took away my health insurance. They cut my pay. I think by the time, and I did, you know, I, I went pretty broke cause I, I had a non-compete so I couldn't go looking for other jobs. Um, which was fine because I was already in school part-time, right. And I already had a game plan. I, I knew I was going to have to quit, you know, in a year or so anyway. Um, but I, I pretty much went broke. And so I had to sell my house and kind of, you know, pull up and, and put the rest of my life on pause when I moved for grad school. Um, but I got my degree, you know, um, got in, I applied to two grad schools, got into to one of them, um, which I had heard was actually pretty remarkable considering um, they took about 450 applications and they only accepted 25 people. So um, so it was, I, I was really fortunate um, to get in right away, got my master's degree and moved back to Denver uh, in 2018 and did, had an amazing um, medical internship in a hospital. I loved acute care. Um, didn't really feel like it was a great option for me here in Denver because of the cost of living. Um, it's actually really hard to make a living, uh, working in a hospital because if you work the amount of hours that it requires to, to be paid well, then you're just, 
exhausted and burnt out. So, um, so I wound up doing some contracts within the schools and I was in a school when COVID hit. Um, we finished out the year virtually and, um, I didn't renew the contract and I kind of found myself really having to reevaluate what I was going to do at that point. Um, the schools were uh, kind of a mess. Nobody really knew what the fall was going to look like. Um, I had been really fortunate in having a, a really manageable caseload size that year, but I knew that wasn't going to be the case if I, you know, went back into one of the bigger districts um, in the area. And so, you know, um, I couldn't, I, just watching the news during the pandemic, I couldn't fathom going into a hospital. Um, even though I enjoyed that kind of work, I, I couldn't imagine it being enjoyable with what all the healthcare workers were going through at the time. Um, and so I ultimately found myself in home health, um, kind of like a risk mitigation process, but I decided, you know, fewer, fewer people to have contact with, um, you know, the potential for virtual sessions when needed, um, that those those would be enough to kind of like ease my anxiety about COVID. And so I started in, it took me months to get to a full-time caseload. And I think I stayed at a full-time caseload for like two weeks. It was so intense. I was driving all over. I think I was driving about 350 miles a week um, because I was not, you know, my clients weren't at just in one spot. I was like, up almost to Boulder and then over in Aurora and then down in Littleton. And so, um, the stress of that just kind of compounded and I have terrible road rage. I don't enjoy driving and I was spending half my day in traffic. Right. And like narrowly avoiding car accidents, which is like its own trigger in my head. Right. So, um, there was a day and that, you know, there were days where, I'd get so stressed, like I'd come home and I just sit in my car in my garage and cry for a minute. Like, all right, it's fine. I'm home. I made a, you know, I made a little money. I'm gonna go rest. Um, but certainly like just the climate of COVID in general, I think everybody was impacted, right? Like we all, um, had our own version of that stress of like seeing people get sick, seeing it on the news, seeing, you know, how many people were dying. Um, and then being in the work that we're in, having close contact with people often um, before there was a vaccine. And, you know, um, I, I, I think I just like, it was more than I could handle at the time. And there was a day when I went to, all my sessions and I didn't enjoy a single one of them. And that had never happened before. I had always had, you know, no matter what kind of traffic I had dealt with, no matter like what kind of like difficult interactions I'd had with a parent or, or whatever, you know, I mean, cause I, I had some kids who were violent and bit me and, you know, like that would be the start of my day would be getting bit so hard that I cried. And so, um, 
but there was always like a client who made me feel better. Right. There was always like that interaction of like, okay, this is worth it. Right. And so I had that day where that just didn't happen. And I uh, just immediately like kind of spiraled into this, oh my God, I made a mistake. What did I do? Why did I make all those sacrifices? What am I going to do now? Cause this is not it. And so um, for me, that was really my, that was my low point. I think that was um, kind of the, the maximum burnout, if you will, um, that really made me just question everything. Um, and so I knew, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew that I needed to make some pretty serious changes at that point. And that was probably by what month are we in? I guess about a year and a half ago. So that's my burnout story. <laughs> In summation. Um, I'm going to first off say thank you. Uh, I mean, that was a, a series of of events in your life where it, it's tough. Um, I think one of the questions I want to ask is like, how much time have you had for the grieving process? Oh, <laughs> which which part? Um, no, I mean, you know, my cousin has been gone for almost 11 years now. Um, and so, you know, I think I, I, as with any like close loss, you know, you cycle through it. It's not a, it's not a linear process of grief. You re, you know, um, things trigger it, but you know, um, I don't know. I think in a way I saw who she was, you know, just knowing like she was a mother and a, and a wife and like this very nurturing person for her family and feeling like I need to go nurture people. You know what I mean? And so in that way, I think a piece of me is, is trying to honor her in that way too. Um, but I mean, we've all experienced loss. It's, you know, um, I know that that's not the only reason that I changed careers. And, um, I've, (laughs) I guess grieving, um, those other sacrifices haven't been as intense a process. I've, you know, I, it took time. It took time for me to figure out what I was going to do. And there was definitely um, some questionable financial choices in that, but I um, I'm in a much better place now. And I think that I've found that balance and that, um, you know, I've, I've found those moments to enjoy my career again. And so um, in that respect, I, I think that that grieving is done. Yeah, Bree, thank you so much for sharing such vulnerable times in your life. Um, And I'm kind of wondering, what did you or what were you learning about yourself throughout all these transitions and periods of loss? Um, I think part, weirdly, part of it was, um, I also went through a process of grieving other relationships in my family, um, and learning how much I had 
done to try to make other people happy and, and accepting of me. Um, and that none of that was important that I just needed to worry about how I feel about what I'm doing. Um, you know, with my, my uncle in particular, um, I think I had a little bit of a, a tendency to try to prove, um, that I deserve to be here because I think there's, there's been some resentment of like, you know, what, she doesn't have kids. She's, she's not married. Why is she so walking around and, and my daughter's not, um, you know, not that he would wish anything bad for me. I think there's just like a, an unspoken resentment there that I, that I really grappled with for a while before I finally just accepted that, like, I have to grieve this loss too. Um, and so, so then, you know, I, I, I really did have to kind of refocus my attention on the parts of the job that I really enjoy and not worry so much about, um, what I do or don't need to prove to other people. In terms of, um, the systems you're in, um, for your jobs. So your previous job of, um, doing data stuff and then moving into, um, when you were driving around and doing more in-home stuff, how, how supportive were they of like self-care within that mm -hmm. environment? How, how, how did that work out? How did it operate for you to be able to do those things? Um, so with home health, um, that was a very isolated position. Um, I was a contractor. I didn't get reimbursed for miles. Um, I did have the opportunity to say no, you know, if a client was just too far out of the way or I couldn't make it work in my schedule or if I just wasn't willing to take more on at the time. Um, but beyond that, there really wasn't, you know, you could call people and ask questions. You could email. They were very friendly. Um, but it wasn't a, a community vibe. It wasn't, you know, um, I only saw coworkers if I happened to be treating near the same time. And so we might cross paths. Um, you know, we certainly would text each other if we needed to discuss a client or call, but not, not a ton of support in that role. And I don't think that it's anything that that company did wrong. I think it's just the nature of that work is, is you're very much on your own in home health. So it kind of sounds like it was more individual and on your plate to set your own self-care and mm -hmm. actually stand with it and keep it going um, mm -hmm. without those regular check-ins or support and community around you. Yeah. And it was so difficult at the time because everything was shut down for, you know, the first however many months. And so even if I had wanted to go out, um, you know, and, and I, I had to make a lot of choices that were made, you know, out of concern and out of just a sense of responsibility to not do a ton of socializing while I was working one-on-one -on -one with children. Um, 
and going into homes where, where the families weren't wearing masks. And, um, you know, there was just generally a sense that like, I can't go get, I can't get COVID and then accidentally give it to any of these people. So, um, you know, it, it was limited. It was extremely limiting, um, to not be able to go very many places to not be able to socialize, you know, to the extent that I normally would. And <laughs> my dog died. During that. <laughs> like, like, uh, I don't even know. I guess that would have been, well, yeah, it was, it was early. It was like August of 2020. So during COVID. Um, so that was a rough few months before I went and got another dog. Cause at that point I was just like, I, ha I have to have a dog. Like, I don't even know if I'm ready yet, but I have to have a dog. Cause I need to go outside. Like I need, you know, regular fresh air. I need that companionship. Like, um, so that was a big component of it during the pandemic, but it was, I mean, it was hard and it was hard for everyone to find those outlets during, you know, during the lockdowns and, and before we got a vaccine. So, um, yeah, it, it was tough for a while. Um, so just to dive a little bit deeper into the isolation part. And I mean, I'm, I don't want to drag you into the deeper waters because I know that I mean it could be a lot but like what was the the range of emotions you were having during that time what was like your thoughts and like where were you with that oh god um well you know I think that we've definitely talked about this before because um it was kind of the catalyst for um, me deciding to do that 10 week challenge that I did where, um, I just, I, 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 the only word that comes to mind is stuck. Like I felt so stuck. Like, um, you know, I've dealt with depression before. I know what it looks like. I know generally how to manage it, but when you're in a place where you just have, you, you have no idea where to look and how to go about it. And, and you just feel like you don't have all the usual tools at your disposal to deal with it. Um, I felt incredibly stuck. And I know that, um, you know, the career was a piece of it, but I, I just kind of, I had to step back and, and look at everything and just go, okay, like, um, you know, I've been to grad school twice. Like, I don't even remember what my hobbies are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, there are things that like, you know, there are things that we always say like, Oh, I want to try that. Oh, I want to try that. And like two years later, you're like, Oh, I still haven't tried that. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, um, so I, I, I came up with that 10 week challenge and that I think was just, a a way to shove myself off the cliff and just be like, okay, like go do things again, go find a way to get unstuck. And so, you know, it was little things like, um, trying a new beer and bigger things like learning how to play golf and, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know that I knew for certain that any one thing was going to work, but I just had to start trying things. I bet that 10 week challenge was also something really cool and new for you to get to experience new things about yourself and learn different things. 
Um, what are some things that started popping up for you when you were doing that 10 week challenge that maybe you still hold really close today? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. I, I think for me, like one of the stressors became like, I got like five weeks in and then like, I, I kind of had a, like, I had like a plan, right? Like I had things mapped out, like, I'm going to try this on week two and on week three, we're going to go do this. And like, um, there was always like, oh, week week five, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, you know, like week six, like ah, it didn't work out. So what else can I do? Um, and so I I think for me, um, I learned that like no matter what you're trying to do, there's a balance you have to strike between, you know, going with the flow and kind of trying to have things planned out, right? Um, no matter what you're dealing with in life, you have to be flexible. You have to be, um, you know, able to shift when needed. And, um, that spontaneity is, can be a lot of fun and not, um, not as scary as it could be for some people. Right. Um, and I kind of want to do the 10 week challenge again. <laughs> like I, I find myself like kind of having like that itch where I'm like, oh, I just want to try like a bunch of new things back to back to back. And, and so I think that the lesson is just like that really we should all be approaching life that way. Right. Not putting it in the context of like, okay, I have to do these 10 things in 10 weeks, but just always having one eye out, like seeking something to like get you excited and, and to create new experiences when you can. So what I'm going to say now is it sounds like we're getting ready to transition into your self-care part. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a good stopping point for our next episode where we'll talk more about your experience with the 10 week channel challenge, and then maybe newer things that's come up for you. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. You down for that too, Katie? Sounds great. Word. All right. (laughs) So we'll see you guys next week. There are things we can do to take care of ourselves. And sometimes it takes time to figure it out. And that's okay. Okay.